Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvaroski. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, an amazing human being, a legacy leader, and the CEO and founder at Energy Advantage Roofing and Solar, Jeremiah Bros, joins the show. We talk about an entrepreneur's mindset, how tenacity is the key aspect in leaving a legacy, and what legacy Jeremiah is working every single day to further in the world. We at Elite High Performance specialize in building high-impact leaders that turn their teams into happy high performers who crush their goals. And if you need to crush your goals in 2024, we're offering special limited time pricing from today until January 1st, 2024. If you want access to that, it's just for podcast listeners. Shoot me an email, rob at elitehighperformance.com. Lastly, follow Jeremiah on Instagram at Jeremiah Bros. He puts out some amazing content. And then check out highperformance.com and subscribe to the Leadership Launchpad Project wherever you're listening to this show. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And here's the interview with Jeremiah Bros. We are back. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. And as always, the yang to my yin, Susan Hobson's here. Susan, how are you? I am excellent. I just set up my Christmas tree last night, believe it or not. So we got the full Christmas spirit moving into this home and it has me feeling really jolly. How about you? <laughs> it's actually funny. So down in Costa Rica, Christmas is a big thing and oh, obviously yeah. they don't have Thanksgiving. So pretty much right after Halloween, the Christmas decorations started going up and folks are really into it. So it's, it's coming out in full colors. But They're yeah. practicing your Feliz Navidad. That's right. It's, all, <laughs> uh, it's amazing. And yeah. So as always, we want to start off with a quote and I have one here from Cheryl Sandberg, who's the COO at Facebook or Meta. And she said, Leadership is about making others better. As a result of your presence and making sure that impact lasts in your absence. Ooh, I know why you chose that quote. I don't even need to ask. That's the legacy quote, isn't it? It is. And it's it's something that obviously for folks listening, we're kicking off the Legacy League, a community of legacy high-impact leaders starting in January. And this is what it's all about. It's about bringing legacy leaders together, getting that support, getting that community, taking all of your games to the next level and leaving a legacy on the world. I can hardly wait for this. I have been cooking up and brewing this for some time now. So yeah, this is something I feel like is at the top of my list in terms of the things I'm looking forward to in January. Yeah. And speaking of legacy leaders, we have one with us today, a special guest, the CEO and founder at Energy Advantage Roofing and Solar, Jeremiah Bros. Jeremiah, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
and uh uh that legacy forum sounds amazing keep me in tune with it <laughs> you're definitely you gonna get an invite jeremiah don't you worry <laughs> yeah, yeah. i'd love to have all right <laughs> thank you yeah and and just before we jumped on, Jeremiah was telling us a little bit about some of the legacy and impact work he's been doing down in Costa Rica. Do you want to tell us more about that? Mm. Uh, yeah, you know, it was, it's so, so just a preface, it was pre COVID, right? It was, um, I kind of haven't picked it up since COVID, but, uh, yeah, we, we were part of a nonprofit down there called break the chain. So, um really was helping traffic victims down there we would actually work with some of the victims work with some of the um ancillary foundations churches different organizations on really having stability of these youths they would get funded by the government up until age 17 and then once they hit 17 the funding stopped so there was this transition period on how to um, work with youth and mentor youth and help stabilize them from being government funded to trying to get back out in their own world. Um, I think sometimes there's this like crossing over the bridge where they just don't have mentorship yet. They don't have leadership. They don't have people to just hold their hand and, and work with them, you know, crossing that chasm. Mm -hmm. So that's what break the chain would do. Um, we would help them with housing and finding job security. And then, um, and my role specifically was just more in mentorship, uh, uh, developing skill and, and helping them kind of find their niche and their passion and, and some innate talent, um, and how to apply themselves. I'm curious if you've always been this legacy minded in your leadership. And so I guess the best way to plug into this is to maybe plug our audience into a little bit of your backstory, uh, the mission that you're on as a leader and how you came to that mission. Sure. Sure. Wow. That, how much time do we have? <laughs> that's, that's so that's a great, that's, that part. you know, um, I, I, I think to sum a lot of it up, um, I apologize. We got a house for dogs here just crossing over Thanksgiving. I don't know if you mm -hmm. can hear them, but I think to sum a lot of it up. So uh, the the person you see in front of you today has to do with a lot of trials and tribulations and, um, you know, failures that I've gone through, right? And I've started five different businesses. I've been broke three times in my 30s. Um, I've I've recruited, hired, and trained and mentored a lot of people. Um, but I think the legacy leadership piece is it's not about me and and my name being stable to stuff. It's about lifting and helping other people and helping them realize their potential. Um, and the more I realized that effort, it's just been a lot more gratifying going down that road. Things become easier, energy becomes more abundant um you know and it's just that selfless act so yeah i there's been so many things right that's happened in my life but it's always redirected me towards that effort i'd love to hear more like you mentioned you've been broke three times and now you've mm -hmm. you're running a successful business like how did you keep getting off the mm -hmm. mat to get going again mm -hmm. yeah yeah so um i think well so when i think about that 
question. It's very easy to get off the map. I think when you, especially when you're young and you go broke your first time, you almost didn't even see it coming. Um, <clears throat> I remember the first time I went broke, it was when I bought my first franchise, uh, Florida Coverings International franchise. I own these two flooring franchises. And, and part of it was, um, you know, I was the fastest growing rookie franchise um, that they've ever had in their history as far as volume right out the gate in door one and year one. Um, and, and what was interesting was then the second year I tried to grow again as fast as I could to be the fastest and biggest franchise they've ever had. I didn't realize at the time that you need money to grow. I thought I could keep growing on a shoestring budget, doubling revenue. And what ended up happening was I doubled my debt. And uh, at the time, right, I was married, I had two little girls and, uh, and I was, so I was taking care of everything at, on the home front, uh, as far as personal bills, as well as trying to float uh, business, you know, um, bills. And uh, I realized like everybody else was getting paid but me. So, so then there was a larger franchise that wanted to absorb really me and my skill set. Um, and I had to close down that business, right? And, and actually file a personal BK on um, a lot of decks. It just grew too fast and too far out of control. And what was interesting was I then would hit the streets, right? Cold call banks and uh, private lenders and CDFIs trying to get financial back, trying to get more money. And what I realized is when you don't have money, people will not give you money. They're like, I'm not throwing any money after that. Yeah. So if anybody needs money out there, go get money when you have money. <laughs> That's a pro tip. Which is one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was like one of the lessons I learned, you know, and there was a CDFI that that loaned me like 40 grand, I think at the time, but I was already on my way out transitioning at first business. Um, but uh, yeah, go get money when you have money. <laughs> what do you feel like all of those trials and tribulations and the gauntlets of entrepreneurship taught you? So, uh, I'm sorry, say it again. Besides getting money when you are asking for more money, if you have the money, what did that teach you that you really implemented at this stage of your leadership game? Um, you know, um, resilience is a mindset. So I think about, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm 40, I'll be 43 next week. And so my professional career is over 20 years. Right. And, and I've only held two like corporate jobs in those 20 years. Right. I've started five different businesses. Um, and, and, and by the way, those two corporate jobs are the only jobs I've ever been fired from. So I don't, I don't know what that means for as far as me as an employee. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, it's like I pick myself up and do it all over again. And I almost don't know any different. But, but every time I started over, you know, for a minute, maybe I'd cry or I'd be sad. Um, but I was never scared that like I wouldn't make it. I was never scared. I remember there was a tipping point uh, the last time I was broke, right? I was in this partnership, this business and, and, um, and I was killing it. And I, 
and I brought some rookies out to another state to go door to door. And we did like 600 grand in, in five weeks. Right. And, and, uh, and, and my partner was like, I'm letting you go, I'm dissolving it. Right. I'm like, wait a minute. No, this is like my greatest year ever. Like I can finally make it. It's like, yeah, no, we're done. So I bought a ticket, flew back home, right? Broke again. Like I couldn't even figure out rent in the next 30 days. Right. And I got these, I got these two young girls that I'm also taking care of. Um, so for a minute, I, I came to this realization. I'm like, dang, am I getting too old to live this thought and this dream that I could be an entrepreneur? Should I go get, I had plenty of job offers to be an executive with other large companies. And, and I'm like, is it time I kind of tuck it in and go, go after a paycheck? And that lasted about five minutes. And I was like, wait a minute, that's just not who I am. <laughs> and so, and my girls would tell you, you know, they're 16 and 15 now. And like, you know, when we first got divorced, they would come out with me and knock on the doors. They'd come out with me to my productions. They, there was no babysitter, right? They, they just, I just realized that I'm like, wait a minute, safety, the safety and the security piece isn't necessarily me getting a job and having this guaranteed income, which isn't even really guaranteed. Um, it's the relationship I covenant with my kids and, and a deeper understanding of knowing my abilities. And so I never gave up on that. It's such up. a, a big mindset shift that a lot of our folks go through when they come in our doors. And Jeremiah, I'd love if you elaborated a little bit more. Like you have very clear, very clear about who you are, and you're very clear about like the trust that you have in your abilities to go out and do. How did you? Yeah. How did you sort of develop that clarity? Yeah. That's a great question. There's a qualitative and a quantitative piece, right? The quantitative side is almost like doing a lot of tests on yourself. You do Myers-Briggs, you do Enneagram, you do, you know, your horoscope, you do the Chinese Zodiac, you do numerology, you do, you do all these things. And then you line it up with what professors, teachers, parents, mentors, people have told you. And then you have this like idea of who you are, right? So that that's like the quantitative side of it. And then there's this qualitative side of doing what helps you feel good in here and serves the world, right? So then it's like, no matter if I go broke again, but I stay in this arena of where I, I know what I'm really good at because these tests tell me so, and people have told me so, and, and I've gotten this feedback now over half of my life. And then I stay in this arena of giving to the world without without money or recognition then i i know i'm driving towards who i'm meant to be right there i can i can wake up one morning and i can have all this daunting things as entrepreneurs we we've really fret cash flow we're like dang it's coming <laughs> you know or hey we had a really good month right let's let's double down let's like like we 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 live with these fears but but if we're going to really be great in our community, in our world, we can't let these fears stop us, right, from giving our light. I say a mantra every morning, um, um, I, I'm an abundance in, uh, or I, I live in abundance, love, and success. And as I let my own light shine, I unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. 
and it, it doesn't have to do with money, security, safety, or a feeling of that safetyness. But it's like I have to continue to try to let my light shine so I can unconsciously right, give other people permission to do the same. That was a quote from Marian Williamson. Mm-hmm. Love her. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that paradigm, so I think for anybody listening out there, when fear creeps in, right? Think about that qualitative qualitative side of all these tests and these stuff that we we go through. But I don't buy into all of it, but there there is some some rhythms of behavior that you find in it. But then there's this qualitative side of like why we're doing all of this. And we want this place to be a better place for our children, our children's children, for our community. And then me and then it'll feel better for us too. Wow. What a sight line into your self-leadership we just got there. <laughs> Curious, you're mentioning your daughters, and I have to ask, does this inform the way that you lead them? And does that differ from the way you lead on the business front as an entrepreneur? Yeah, right. Yes and yes. No. So yeah, yeah. They were, I mean, how I parent is definitely probably how I mentor. Um you know, part of it is just this, this, this tone of reality, just realness, right? I somebody sent me an article on this concept of overtones, overtones in relationship, mm. and which we avoided at all costs. Like one thing that uh, me and my daughters talked about at a young age is we never talk about weather at dinner. We just don't talk about weather because we don't have time to be talking about weather. We we uh, the conver- the depth of our conversation right um uh is what binds us and what connects us right in the reality of it one thing i learned uh as a single parent a long time ago was get really good at apologizing really good at apologizing right i think about one of the first times like i apologized to my kids was we were late for school my youngest daughter jojo couldn't find her shoes whatever it was i'm all freaked out because the school tally marks like me for sh- bringing them late and it's like like now I'm blacklisted on the PTO board of private school in Denver because I can't get my kids to school on time. Right. I don't know if there's other single parents out there that have felt this, but it's like super stressful. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm blowing up and I'm driving, you know, and she's got a, like a little tear going down her eye. And I'm just like, dang, I'm sorry. It's not your issue. It's my issue. Stressed out about stuff. It was misplaced anger. And I'm really, really sorry. And I'll try to refrain from doing that again. And she, she's like, it's okay. And I'm like, it's not okay, but it's okay. It's I, you know, and so, and so that realness, like that allowed them to, they know I'm a powerful man, right? They know I'm an influential character, but it gives them the right to also stand on their own two feet and be like, hey, he's human and I'm human. And we're all trying to get through this stuff together. Right. So then with my employees and the people I work with, a lot of times, like I sometimes I think I'm right, but I find out I'm not right. So now I'm quick to be have a very sincere apology, right, with anybody in my world and that I work with. And I think that's really important because that that sets my ego aside so we can be cohesive together and build something together. Right. And sometimes my ego needs to come into play when I need to get defensive or really try and fight for something. But a lot of times when trying to build with a team and a community and people, it's not not about who's out in front or me winning, right? It's about us building together. And for my daughters, 
you know, if you have kids, especially daughters, they're so precious, right? And one slighted thing that I can say can tear them down. And I really have to be cognizant of that, right? And so that taught me, that's taught me a lot. Yeah. And they'll say whatever I tell them to say at the doors when we go knock doors <laughs> when they're 10 years old. <laughs> so they're very malleable. <laughs> that's the other place. I, I mean, when we spoke the first time, you were telling me about how you brought your daughters. Oh, did we lose them? Oh, still there. Sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Yep. Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't know if I was fading out. Um, Yes. Well, so knocking doors, you're talking about knocking doors. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some stuff on like our Facebook, I think like a long time ago, they were like 10 years old, right? 10 and 11 years old. And, uh, and they, and, and again, <clears throat> one of, one of my feelings was I just don't hire babysitters. Like the, the, a really good thing about being your own boss, you know, business owners, like during summer break, like I bring my kids with me. They just work with me. They're with me. They see me do appointments. They see me knock doors. They see me run production. They see me, whatever. I don't put them in front of a TV. I don't give them a laptop or anything like that to distract what's going on. I'm like, this is real. Right. And, uh, and then they pick up these skill sets along the way. And the crazy thing is my oldest daughter, Ava, she called me when she turned 14, like four days after she turned 14. Right. And she's like, dad, I got a job. I'm like, how, how do you get a job? You're only 14 years old. And she's like, Colorado statue, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. She went cold calling down Evans Boulevard. It's like one of the busiest streets in Denver, cold calling restaurants until somebody hired her. This restaurant hired her on the spot. Yeah. And she's the youngest waitress and you know, it's all college kids and these older kids, these little 14 year old girls. And, and a year later, the owner brought me and she's like, I got to tell you, like this little girl is like the glue that binds us together, right? Her energy, her tenacity, her effort, her willingness to like do it right, do the stuff right, pay attention to the details. And I'm like, dang. And I, at the time, as I would bring her out with me in life, I never really thought about mm, the influence that we have on our children until it's somebody else that gives you this mirror. And then it cycles all the way back and I tie all this together and I'm like, Dang, that, that really worked out. That resonates so, so with me. I, I can't even tell you, Jeremiah, that you're, I feel like you're describing my childhood experience because I grew up with an entrepreneurial father who was bringing me to work at his store when I was like 12, 13. And so that's where I want to go with you next. Did you yeah. believe that entrepreneurship is nature or nurture? Because, you know, the way that you were talking at the start of the show is also how I felt coming right out of university. I, I knew I couldn't work for anybody else. And so I love to ask my entrepreneurs that question. Is it nature or nurture? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's a, so that's a great question. So I think, so um, uh, successful entrepreneurship is, is nurtured for sure because successful entrepreneurship is um is collaboration because you're young you're inexperienced but you have this drive and you have this desire right so so there's this nurturing piece where i can i can definitely pinpoint to mentors in my past and organizations in my past that have really um created these bookmarks and and 
guideposts for me to do as an entrepreneur. Um, but the the nature piece is probably some of these um, innate traits like creativity and compassion and tenacity. And so there are these things that are probably with all of us, right? At one at one form or another, probably within all of us, probably er- even every employee maybe who doesn't necessarily have a business or a side hustle or anything yet, probably has a desire at some point to let these innate abilities come out of them, right? And so as an entrepreneur, we just got graced at a younger age probably to have a vehicle where our, our innate abilities were able to be put in a lane that creates monetization or impacts a community or, you know, and that's a blessing. That's a massive blessing. But um, that for me, that was nurtured um, at a young age, because I think before my first experience, my first experience was with a company called College Pro Painters. I don't know if you're familiar with them in Toronto. They were in Toronto. They started in London, Ontario in 1972. We would you know, recruit, hire, and train 10,000 college students, go paint $50 million worth of homes in 14 weeks, shut the whole thing down and do it all over again. Wow. wow right. Wow. We were wild. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but that company and the mentors and leadership within that company paved the way for me. And at 19 years old, brought out these talents and these things inside of me that nobody ever else had. Right. I, I started working at 14 in a scrapyard in South Minneapolis with my pops. My hours were four to four. Okay. I had no, no life. He's like, you work. <laughs> He's like, started getting in trouble. He's like, oh, oh, you have, you have time to get in trouble. Oh, okay. Well, you have time to work. <laughs> right. And I, I knew I didn't want to work in a scrapyard in South Minneapolis as a career. I knew that that wasn't for me. <laughs> So I learned that, but I didn't know, I didn't know if I, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. I didn't know if I could be an entrepreneur until somebody saw something in me and said, you should try this. Jeremiah, how do you think about people development now and mentorship when you're hiring new folks into your business? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, coachability um uh like a desire to learn um and uh uh a kind of a cohesiveness with a culture trumps skill yeah yeah i like if i had two candidates and somebody was hungry eager um had really good characteristic traits as far as like respect showing up on time lived our values right our values grace just gratitude resilience accountability connection and empowerment and if I could see that this individual can really live our values, I'd give them a shot. Even if they had zero skills, zero experience, whatever. Because I can work with that all day long. Versus, you know, I've had a lot of seasoned professionals come in. I just, the ego, I can't break the ego. Um, or I just see these selfish tendencies or these, and, and you know, selfishness could be derived from other things. But um, I'm like, mm, no, I just, I don't have time for that. I don't, I don't have time for that kind of mentality. So I love the hungry, the eager, the willingness, right? Cause that was me. That was me. That's still me. That's probably still me, you know, 
when I'm when I'm in a forum or I'm in with a lot of really seasoned experiment, my mastermind groups, stuff like that, right? I'm always asking questions. I'm always digging in. I want to know people. I want to know them and their business. And, and that's that's me. I'm curious about this picture behind you for those not watching. Yeah. Too, but we got two hands holding a globe and I kind of feel like this makes me want to ask is is this what leadership means to you what does leadership mean to you Jeremiah so thank yeah so this is I mean this is one of our logos right and yeah. and it's the concept of you know it's not so energy advantage is about renewable energy restoration and bringing these two worlds together right storm restoration a kind of abundance of capital renewable energy kind of where we need to go as far as sustainability as as a species um but but as you're feeling like energy advantage is a lot more than just what we do right it's a big part of who we are and who we are is this kind of this collective connection and understanding of people right around the world we have employees in, in india mexico we have obviously here we have you know where we have we're bringing out people in the philippines like around the world so it's not just an american culture right it's going to be a world culture and a mind frame i think our our value set uh grace right um can be absorbed really in any culture and that's and that's the idea right of energy advantage and then we have further um you know ambitions to franchise or pretty licensing agreements where other people can be the entrepreneurs right our our passion so my partner takuya and i our passion is developing entrepreneurs developing people's potential that as i talked about with college pro painters that somebody brought out of us at one point in our life around the world for anybody who has a desire who wants to really get out of this day-to-day that that in our in my as my mind frame and i know my partner takuya as well um we would be the best versions of ourselves, bringing the best versions out of the people right who we come across one of our goals and our impact is to personally touch ten thousand people right not not through like online reputation or what they read or whatever but like like sit down like the barista at starbucks like this, you know what I mean? Like personally, like touch and think and get people to think. And and that would be the best definition of leadership I could have. Love it. Yeah. That's such an amazing yeah. mission that you're on. And that that's sort of where I would like to kind of dig a little bit deeper is like you're mentioning bringing out the best in folks and you're mentioning like even the qualities that you mentioned about compassion and, and clarity and tenacity, this is very much what we're talking about, at least in self. Like, how are you, yeah, how are you unlocking those abilities for folks? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of questions. I think a lot of questions. One thing I think I've learned as I've gotten older and, um, probably better at relationships is less talking and more listening free advice yeah right <clears throat> i think well what i realized when i was younger before i went through a lot of hardship i had a lot of things to prove and i wanted to be recognized and i wanted to be known and i wanted to be seen 
And then as you go through a lot of hardships, I went through a lot of hardships. I'm like, I don't want to prove anything anymore. I just want to make it. <laughs> I just want to survive. I just want to be here, right? And then there's this like tension of compassion towards other people who may just feel the same thing. Like we're just trying to survive. So then shifting that mind frame to just trying to survive together as a cohesive group, right? We learn to listen a lot more to other people. And listening a lot more to the people then we can understand where we could help and add influence i have a certain skill set right um in working with people and maybe like some business analytics and uh you know understanding some triggers and businesses of success or failure um so if somebody's struggling with some of those questions i can i can definitely help with um but then also on the flip side i'm a great student learning about their story Right. And then try been I thought I you talk about innate versus not innate. I thought I wasn't born with empathy. And I've had to really work hard at being empathetic. Right. And now I feel like empathy is a strong suit of mine. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And a and a lot of that was just from listening and asking the right questions and then really trying to put myself in somebody else's shoes. And then and it's funny when you put yourself in somebody else's shoes and they they feel like, dang, I think this person sees me. I think they know me. Right. Then they're comfortable telling even more. And then we can really try and create some foundational building blocks. Like, are we trying to build something? Or are we just just rapping? Right. Whatever. And that's and that like unlocks. I think the potential that we can really grow as a community if we all became no better listeners. Yeah. I love that because the empathy builds the trust. And then the, when the trust is there, you have the influence, the ability or opportunity to impact that person's potential. Yeah. yeah. The business where you just rated that the number one leadership skill of them all here in 2023. But I'm curious your perspective on what skills leaders need to possess or go on a mission to develop in 2024 to succeed and play their biggest impact game? Oh, it's almost 2024, isn't it? Oh, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. Uh, so, I mean, over, you know, since COVID, I feel like, um, like change is abundant be good change masters like you know what i mean so so change is abundant like work your plan develop your plan um but be be very frequent in communication with your staff at least for sure in the first quarter um because talks about the recession changes in interest rates right here in america like like there were so many hurdles that also popped up within 30 days that really altered are forecasting, right? And we have 32 full-time employees. That's that's like 32 families that have to feed their kids. Like we really got to be on point with change and change happening really quick. So that means frequent communication, weekly communication with our C-suite executives, uh, partners, vendors, um, cash flow, um, right? Making sure lack of cash doesn't stop our ability to sell and produce. And and so being really pervious to change and being in front of change and anticipating change. Also developing like your KPIs, uh, whether they're weekly or daily KPIs, so you can have a very acute 
uh, snapshot of anything that's shifting in the economy that's going to affect this month's outcome, right? And I wouldn't go any longer than one month as far as projecting success or failure, right? I mean, if your first two weeks in the month are really, really bad, you better double down and change, change a marketing program, change a staffing position, change something because don't plan on those last two weeks just fixing itself. That ain't going to happen, right? Um, uh, the other thing, if we, if we think about um, uh, what we just talked about in empathy, like some of the skill sets of explaining empathy, I think since COVID, and, and um, I don't know if this is a statistic or not, but um, sounds like, feels like mental health has come to the forefront, right? With a lot more of youth for sure. Um, but then employees who have children and youth. And so how do we become more empathetic people, right? Active listening skills. So there is a, a qualitative side of, or quantitative side of active listening and going through active listening practices, um, getting out there and doing philanthropy work or giving back into the community, something that gives you zero recognition and zero income, right? Something that you do anonymously that doesn't, doesn't, you get no strings tied back. Right? I've I've been doing a lot, a number of things um, since I, you know, went through divorce eight years ago, and part of it was uh, when my girls were in pain. It was you know it is what it is, but we there's other people out there who are also in pain and probably even worse pain than us, and so it kind of pulls our head out of the rut when things get really hairy and it puts us back in a position that I think can really help us be better empathetic leaders, right? In our, in our community. Um, and then I, I guess the third thing would be, you know, how tenacious are you? Right. There's always like one metric that can, that you can, you can do in our, in our world, roofing and solar, like one metric is going door to door and pitching our product, whether it's commercial or residential, right? I've, I've done this for 20 some years. Um, uh, it's not super sexy and like people love to do it. They don't go to college to become a door-to-door salesperson, <laughs> but like I can walk out there and I can pick up business in an hour easily. Revenue will never stop, right? Only my own ability um, or inability, I should say, to get out there and put my whichever legs to work Right. So, I mean, that's a beautiful thing that will get me through any tough economic time. Amazing. Jeremiah, a question we get a lot that I'd love your take on is how do we balance being an empathetic leader with someone who holds their people accountable to a high level of performance? Right. That's a great question. I mean, uh, as an empathetic leader, putting yourself in the position of somebody who's maybe not performing they probably know they're not performing, right? So it's like, if I, when I know I'm not performing, I'm probably my worst critic. I'm probably the first to really beat myself up, be hard on myself. So what does a leader do? A leader probably takes it more objective approach than a subjective approach, which means it comes down to skill or commitment, right? And this is something that they taught us at College Pro was if, if the commitment is low, what what is creating that lower commitment or um, less willingness to pursue the effort, right? Confidence in something, um, or just doesn't fit with the purpose of what we're doing, 
Um, but there's, there's always this commitment towards embracing hard work. And then over here, it's this skill side, this education and experience, right? How much education do they have towards it? Do we do another three-hour class on really being super directive on bullet points? Um, do we sometimes, you know, do we sit down shoulder to shoulder with somebody, pick up the phone and start calling people with them and, and getting sales going and really giving that time, helping the skill side, right? So I think, I mean, as, a, as an empathetic leader, we have to hold accountability. So that's why there's KPIs. Um, but we have to understand is it skill or commitment and then help drive that. And then ultimately people will come and go. But if they then themselves can internalize their own motivation, right, mixed with their own skill ability, mixed with lowering their, lowering their ego and asking for help when they need help in one of the two arenas, then with or without us, they'll slowly start to become the best version of their employed self, right, or their working self. And I think that's, that's a good balance between... And, and ultimately, the right value, people hold themselves accountable. You know, they want to figure it out. They want to provide for you, the empathetic leader. They want to provide for their family. They want to make themselves proud. Right. And let's not forget that. Okay. I want to end this party the way we started this party. I want to know about your legacy as a dad, as an entrepreneur, as a man on a mission to have a tremendous social impact in this world. What do you want your legacy to be, Jeremiah? Mm. I would like my legacy to be, you know, um, there was a guy who tried hard. Yeah. Just like me, just like everybody else, there was a guy who just put his nose down, right? Worked hard, tried hard. And it wasn't for self-gratifying services, but he really tried to better the community around him by bringing the best out of people. But he was just like me and he, he worked hard and he tried hard. And if he worked hard and he tried hard, I can work hard and I can try hard. And that's it. <laughs> Jeremiah, I have to say this interview was incredibly inspiring and I'm so happy you joined us. You're an amazing guy and it was incredible conversation. And for folks out there, obviously, if you want to check out more of what Jeremiah is up to, you can follow him on Instagram, Jeremiah Bros. You can follow him on LinkedIn, obviously, Jeremiah Bros. I've dropped both of those links in the podcast notes, as well as you can check out yourenergyadvantage.com for all of that. Jeremiah, is there anywhere else you want folks to find you? No, that's great. I think those are all great platforms. And I just, uh, both Rob and Susan, thank you so much for your time today. And I really appreciate and honor the opportunity you've given me. We appreciate you so much. And Obviously, for us, please hit subscribe to Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform and share Jeremiah's interview with any entrepreneurs and legacy leaders in your life. And if you want any one-on-one -on -one or group leadership development, head on over to EliteHighPerformance.com for all of that. Susan, is there anything you want to leave folks with today? I love the proof and evidence in this interview. We obviously, you know, spend our day job leveling up leaders in this 2.0 way. And so here's the litmus test, folks. 
we landed in how inspired we feel by your 2.0 leadership, empathy, active listening, collaboration. I mean, you really, the model carries the most weight. So thank you for coming in and displaying and illuminating that for our audience to see and feel. My pleasure. Thank you. And for me, I think there was two things that resonated the most. One is the legacy piece and the impact that you're driven to have. And the other thing is this element of tenacity. And I have a quote here from Jack Ma, who's the co-founder of Alibaba. And he says, never quit. Today is hard. Tomorrow will be worse. But the day after tomorrow will be sunshine. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Jeremiah, it was an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. And everyone, we'll see you all next week. Bye, everyone. Thanks, guys. Take care.